This is Fresh Ed, a weekly podcast that makes complex ideas and educational research easily understood. I'm your host, Will Brem. It's great to be back after an extended holiday. I am completely recharged and ready to go. We have an exciting lineup for the rest of the year, including our Fresh Ed Flux episodes. But before we start today, I'd like to say hello to all of our new listeners who may be joining us for the first time as they start their degrees at universities across the Northern Hemisphere. I hope you find Fresh Ed useful in your studies, and please be sure to get in touch. We love hearing from listeners. So over the past few weeks while I was on holiday, I've been doing a lot of reading. It's been really relaxing. Reading, of course, is a fundamental part of education. There's no way around it. There's even this idea called foundational literacy that is being championed, of course, not without controversy, within the international development circles. But let's put that to one side. What I'm more interested in is what people are reading. Have you ever wondered what some of your teachers teachers or fellow peers are actually reading? Today, we continue our mini-series called The Fresh Ed Questionnaire. Over the past eight months, I've asked Fresh Ed guests a set of standard questions after each interview. These questions ask guests how they approach writing and reading and research and supervision. These are the day-to-day activities we do inside universities, but perhaps don't talk too much about them. So I want to actually talk about them. The first volume in this mini-series, which you should go back to listen to if you haven't yet, explored research supervision. It offered great insight and tips for new university students. In today's episode, we explore books. I ask guests who are their favorite writers and why. What we learn is that academics read far and wide. Some stick to academic texts directly in the field of education. Others read nonfiction far beyond the field of education. And still others devour fiction using it as a source of inspiration in their own academic work. So my hope is by listening to this mashup of voices, you'll think about your own reading habits and realize the value of reading in education. And maybe you'll get a tip or two for some books you should pick up. I hope you enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Jessica Gerard, and I work at the University of Melbourne. I'm going to be resistant and not name a book, um, but to say that books for me are about opening new worlds and new possibilities. And I was someone who started a PhD never thinking that I would do a PhD. Like it was a really kind of, it wasn't one of those things that I went through university and, and thought that this would be my pathway. And in the PhD process, books were genuinely opening new worlds and new possibilities. And they challenged me and they surprised me and they angered me. And I've, I think that there's those sorts of books are just uh, are so important, including the ones that annoyed me because they help me understand what I think about the world more. My name is Jamie Martin. I'm an assistant professor of history and social studies at Harvard University. So I love writers that can kind of subtly and um, and in simple terms bring out the strangeness of the world and that can kind of, you know, help us to see how what we take for granted as natural or as a kind of, you know, uh, way things are is actually quite bizarre. And so often I actually find novelists quite helpful for this. So novelists like, you know, Olga Tokarczuk or or W.G. Sebald, I think in many ways have informed how I approach history, um, you know, as much as any actual um, uh, academic historian. My name is Anatoly Alexienko. I'm Associate Professor of Higher Education and Director of Comparative Education Research Center. 
in the Faculty of Education at the University of Hong Kong. I love to read, uh, but if I look into the academic writing, I, increasingly I, I probably stayed more in the academic reading and writing. So just uh, recently I, I'm more engaged uh, with uh, William Tierney's uh, work on organizational culture and academic freedom, uh, Bruce McFarlane on ethics and leadership. They make me think critically and challenge some, some of my previous assumptions or conclusions. Outside my field, uh, it's uh, Timothy Snyder and, App and Applebaum, because recently they gave a great perspective on the Soviet or post-Soviet world transformations, crisis in Ukraine. Serhii Plohi, uh, the Harvard uh, historian who uh, writes about uh, tough issues of Ukrainian culture and uh, is not afraid to speak about a lot of these types of challenging interpretations within within the country. And fiction, uh, English fiction, it's George Orwell, 1984, <laughs> logically. Beautiful book and a strong message to cross times, I think. And I loved, uh, before, I uh, loved to read Kurt Vonnegut. Uh, in Ukrainian, uh, if you uh, write translations of Ukrainian uh, writers, uh, very good ones, uh, like Oksana, Oksana Zabushka, Serhii Zhadan, Andrei Kurkov. They give this perspective of, on intellectual humor, honesty, and love of humanity at the same time. So it's a uh, kind of interesting combination of post-colonial type of rethinking of who you are as a Ukrainian. My name is Natasha Robinson. I'm a postdoctoral researcher at the Department of Education at the University of Oxford. One of my all-time favorite writers is Johnny Steinberg, who writes about South African society. He's actually a criminologist by training, but he writes these books which are often focused around one individual, and he takes a very ethnographic, journalistic approach to understanding these individuals that kind of encapsulate a larger social trend. I find his writing just to be so enjoyable to read, but I always just come away with a much deeper understanding of crime in South Africa or migration in Southern Africa. And I think it's just the best of public scholarship. I'm Chris Allen and I'm an international educational consultant. My favourite writer is George Orwell. George Orwell is someone who had a profound influence on me from a very young age. I was uh, I was lucky to have a, a sort of a privileged education and I went to private school in the UK um, but I read Orwell there for the first time when I was 14 or 15 and it completely opened up my eyes to a whole new world of, of things. And after reading the, the usual Animal Farm 1984 and then reading some of his other stuff and his political uh, journalism and, and so on and his essays, uh, and he really, because he's someone who profoundly shaped the way I look at the world and I, and I like to think that you know, the work I do now in education is very much influenced by uh, by how he wrote. I'm Elizabeth Pop Berman, and I am an associate professor in the Organizational Studies Department at the University of Michigan. I'm going to pick a writer I like, who is somewhat obscure, and uh, I think more people would enjoy, who is uh, Barbara Pym, who writes uh, sort of mid-20th century novels of English country life that are just uh, these really insightful views of people's character and, and small town life, and uh, are just a pleasure to read, and I think more people should know about them. Hi, I'm Arathi Sriprakash, and I work at the University of Bristol. Like others, I can't name... Uh favourite author or a book, but I can say that the sorts of books that I enjoy reading the most are the ones that are beautiful and challenging at the same time. I can give you an example of a book that I'm reading at the moment um, that 
is that a Tuscan indemnity by Vanessa Andriotti. Um, and I think it's because it's inviting us again into rethinking our relationship with the world. And that is challenging. It's confronting. But the book itself is so beautifully written and compelling that, that, that I'm approaching it with an openness. Audrey Bryan, um, Associate Professor of Sociology in the School of Human Development at Dublin City University Institute of Education. I think if I was to, you know, think about scholarly works, you know, I'm just kind of thinking back to, you know, those texts that you pick up when you're starting out as a graduate student and they kind of really make your head spin, you know. So I really love that text, The Sociological Imagination by Mills. Um, It was really the first time where I really understood the interrelationship between, you know, kind of uh, private issues or problems and, you know, the public realm. But if I was to think about authors more broadly or, you know, you know, thinkers who have shaped my understanding of the world, I have to say I really love Kazuo Ishiguro's work. His most recent novel, Clara and the Sun, has just really blown my mind in terms of, I suppose, this kind of the real emotional provocativeness to it, but also just that keen ethical sensibility. There's really nothing like it you know, it just stands out for me in terms of raising profound questions about the human condition. And one of the few authors that really makes me cry, you know, I was literally in bits by the end of Clara and the Sun. I just found it so, um, so provocative, so profoundly affecting. Hi, I'm Laura Perry, and I'm based at Murdoch University in Perth, Western Australia. It's hard for me to really just pinpoint one person. I definitely, you know, there's some academics that are work almost exclusively with the writings of Foucault and, and, and their whole career is targeted around one particular theorist. And, and I'm, that's certainly not me. But I guess in terms of writers and thinkings that have influenced my own interests and in how I see the world, I really like David Berliner. I really like Stephen Ball, of course, and Linda Darling-Hammond. I guess those three would probably be coming up for me right away. Stephen Ball for his kind of insights about how the middle class needs education more than working class families to reproduce their, their social standing and their social status. So it's not so much that they value education more because they're you know, superior and more enlightened parents, but it's that they need those qualifications in order just to stay at the same level in society um, from generation to generation. And this gets back to this idea of education as a social leveler versus a reproducer of social inequality. And the fact is it's both. Education is the main mechanism for social mobility in modern societies, more so than, you know, it's, it's not like feudalism. It's not like back in the day when you were born into a certain station. We do have, of course, there are lots of barriers, but more or less in modern societies, education is available and accessible. Yes, there are differences in quality sometimes or oftentimes, but nevertheless, upward mobility is certainly an option through education for most families. But at the same time, education is the main tool for maintaining your status, which means maintaining inequality if it's there. And this is the reason why certain families will send their kids to certain schools to to maintain that. So Stephen Ball's insights about all of that, the class advantages and competition, that's, I think, for me, really interesting. I love David Berliner's work for the emphasis on the larger kind of political and social contexts that shape education and schooling and what happens in classes. And his, you know, insights about educational achievement is 
very largely about what happens outside of school, not just what happens what happens inside of schools. I mean, I love the work of John Ogbu as well about the the idea about how a group's position in society influences their achievement in schooling. And so if we look at any country across the world, students from marginalized, oppressed communities are almost always going to be having lower results in schooling. And that's a universal phenomena. Um, and why that is, that's, you know, interesting to think about. And of course, as well, they're the anomaly groups, that trend, that's interesting. So, um, and I guess the last one would be, like I said, um, Lynn Darlingham, and I love the idea of holding schools accountable, holding policymakers accountable for ensuring that equal opportunities or at least equitable opportunities are presented to all students. My name is Sean Drake, and I'm an assistant professor of sociology at Syracuse University. And I'm also a senior research associate in the Center for Policy Research, also at Syracuse. I guess I have like academic authors and non-academic authors. So I think my favorite academic author is probably Elijah Anderson, who's a sociology professor at Yale. You know, I've learned a lot from him personally, but also just in, in terms of reading his work. And I think what I like about him is just his gift of storytelling. Just the way that he can, he sort of draws you in and, you know, drawing on his own experiences and the work that he does. He's a scholar of race and, and racism and low income, segregated uh, black neighborhoods in the, in the United States. So I think for me, it's just his storytelling ability. And then, you know, non-academic authors, I would say V.S. Naipaul is one of my favorites. You know, he just has an amazing story. You know, his family's from India, but he's British. He was born in Trinidad. Uh, and he just writes about his experiences traveling the world in different cultures. And uh, I've learned a lot from him just sort of stylistically, his, his use of punctuation, his ability to sort of puts you in the scene. It's very ethnographic in the way that he that he writes. I also admire Barack Obama as an author, uh, you know, kind of for similar reasons. And then actually I'd be remiss if for academic authors if I didn't mention W.E.B. Du Bois, you know, who's kind of the um, really sort of the founding father of ethnography in uh, kind of in American sociology. Um, he, you know, sometimes doesn't get, I think, the, the credit that he, that he deserves for that. So I'd say those would be my, my four. Elijah Anderson, W.E.B. Du Bois, Barack Obama, and V.S. Naipaul. Those are my favorite authors. And I should say, as I'm thinking about it, Zora Neale Hurston and, uh, and Toni Morrison as well. Um, I, I love both of them. So uh, it's hard for me to just pick, pick one. So now I'm up to six. Those are the six that I kind of find myself coming, coming back to and um, just being inspired by. My name is Prem Kumar Racharam. I work at the Central European University. If it's an academic book, it would be Raymond Williams, Marxism and Literature. If it's a non-academic book, it would be maybe the book called The Hidden, the Hidden Words, which is a Baha'i text. Um, and then the fiction, it would be a book that I always read every few months is A Suitable Boy by Vikram Seth. Marxism and Literature, because, I mean, it changed my way of thinking about power and the way power operates. Um, the hidden words, because it's a space of spiritual peace that I find when I read it. And a suitable boy, because it's a lovely, sweeping history of India, fictionalized history of India, that's written in a very accessible and engaging way. I'm Michael Seifer. I'm a PhD student and I also work as a school counsellor. My uh, research is uh, very much focused at looking at uh, school segregation effects 
and the effects of um, school contacts on the effectiveness of school systems. It's hard to pinpoint. I was, I was thinking carefully about this question. But for me, I guess one of the influences on my academic thinking is the uh, 19th century new liberals from Britain or social liberals, as they became known. They argued for the role of state intervention to ensure liberal society was accessible to all members of the community. And their writings were quite influential here in Australia. At that time, we weren't federation, we were separate colonies. And that's when public education was being established. And that sort of thinking was a big influence on the establishment of public education in the colonies here. One person in particular, Sir Henry Park, spoke about, you know, the children of property owners learning side by side with the children of day labourers. Uh, and it was that idea of, you know, the state intervening to ensure the ability of all people to enjoy a liberal society. Hi there, I'm Sophie Rudolph. I work at the Melbourne Graduate School of Education at the University of Melbourne. The writers that I value are the ones that move me, that challenge me, and that help me understand something that is difficult and and so there's something that is nourishing about it as well. And I guess, and there have been so many, so, so many over <laughs> my time, um, but one that did this very early on was Bell Hooks and Teaching to Transgress, which I read in my undergraduate days. And so I think it's it's that capacity to give insights that are meaningful and, and that, that help understand the things that are, are so challenging and difficult that's important to me. I'm Dunur Bloom. I'm a lecturer in sociology at California State University in Los Angeles. So I've got a few, and I know it's a little bit of a laundry list, but I absolutely love working with Dr. Adam Sanford and Dr. Stacy Smith. Uh, I'm fortunate enough to have published with them on some of the social fallout uh, of COVID-19. They're incredibly creative. They're incredibly encouraging. They're incredibly incredibly motivated. They're driven. I love working with them. There's Carroy Carter, who writes a lot of romance, uh, and I'm lucky enough to know him. I get to see the effort and the consistency that he puts in. I also love his blunt honesty, where he will read parts of his books to us and ask us for feedback. And he says, is this okay? A couple other books and authors that I really enjoy. I'm right now reading Jonathan Mahler's Ladies and Gentlemen, The Bronx is Burning. And that's looking at New York City politics in the 70s and at kind of the culture wars and looking at, within the context of the Yankees, the Reggie Jackson and Billy Martin fight. So it's kind of putting the, uh, those contexts against the racial background of what was happening in New York in the late 70s. And I think it's really fascinating. There's Dr. Alberto Testa. He writes about Italian football and fascism. And I always thought that that was super creative of looking at sport through politics, even though like we know around the world that sport and politics are very closely linked. I think he does a really fantastic job of linking it to the supporters groups. And then uh, the last author that I'm going to shout out is Dan Ariely. He's a social psychologist. And what I love about his work is not only does he do a huge volume of studies, but he's able to convey his studies to a really wide audience. And he's able to break down ideas into really easy, digestible pieces. And I think it makes everyone feel like they're in on this knowledge with him. And I think that that's the mark of a great writer is you're bringing people into your ideas and you're making them feel like, oh, yeah, we knew this all along with you. You just highlighted it for us. 
I'm Sarah Dryden-Peterson, an associate professor at the Harvard Graduate School of Education and director of Refugee Reach. You know, I always used to hate it when teachers would ask me this question because it felt like an unfair narrowing of like the many different writers who I wanted to read. But I think I love reading fiction. So I write nonfiction, but I love reading fiction. And I'm, I think I'm really inspired in my nonfiction writing by reading great writing and particularly getting to know characters who live in me long after I finished reading the book and allow me to have new kind of big thoughts. And I think one of the kind of authors from my childhood who really played that role for me was Lucy Maud Montgomery, who was the author of Anne of Green Gables. I grew up as a redheaded Canadian, was deeply identified with this child who I wanted to be like, who was strong, who was brave, who was radical for her time, and who just loved deeply and found ways to build connections with people who were hesitant to build connections with her. And some of the new authors that I have just loved in, in a very similar way over the last few years include the book Happiness by Aminata Forna, The Old Drift by Namwali Serpel, um, and very recently The Wrong End of the Telescope by Rabia Al-Madin. A transcript of today's interview can be found at freshheadpodcast.com. Please note that opinions expressed on Fresh Ed are solely those of the host or the guest interviewed, not Fresh Ed, which takes no institutional position. If you've liked what you've heard today, please rate us wherever you listen to podcasts. Reviews really do help. Fresh Ed's team includes Sherry Yang, Fanti Akhtas, Obafemi Ongunle, Dion Jiang, Annabella Afroboteng, Anya Lin, Phyllis Chaimensa, and Jose Neto. Original music for Fresh Ed was created by Digital Primate. Fresh Ed is an independently run podcast without advertisements and is made possible by the support of the Open Society Foundations, the UCL Institute of Education, NORAG, the Shaktev Family Fund, and listeners like you. Please consider donating to Fresh Ed by visiting freshedpodcast.com donate. Thanks for listening. I'm Will Brem, and I'll be back next week.